0: Welcome to Faith for Finances. This week is the third in a series of four episodes on waging war against debt by learning to make friends with credit. This week, we talk about what to add in order to subtract debt forever. Too many people think that finance is about finances and about math. And when they do that, then they turn away because they've made it too complicated and therefore try and ignore it or let somebody else deal with the situation for them. And if we are going to leave an inheritance to our children's children, we have to understand how waging war in the short term also impacts the long term. Welcome to Faith for Finances, my name is Sam Piercy, I am your host, I am also the founder of Money Minding. This week as we talk about how to subtract in order to add freedom, to subtract debt, to look after the financial well-being of our own family and for future generations, I want to invite you into rethinking this whole concept of debt and credit. This resource and this uh, material for these four episodes comes from a, a resource called Make Debt Your Friend, how to get out from underneath the burden, the weight of debt, so that we can actually address the elephant, which is we live in a credit world. Make Debt Your Friend is also part of a bundle of resources that we have packaged together called God's Path to Financial Freedom, Seven Tools to Achieve a Breakthrough. And you can get that resource with a promo code KITV if you visit faithforfinances.com and that'll give you a 50% reduction on an already bundled and packaged resource. So I'm going to reference some of those tools and I encourage you if you're just joining us to go back and listen to the first two episodes and if you are coming in now for the third in the series, welcome and stay tuned because at the conclusion of the fourth in this series I'm going to share with you how $150 can give you control of a million dollar asset. So let's take a look first of all at What does it mean to lend to many nations and borrow from none? What does it mean to owe no man anything but love? See, we live in a credit world. And since 1971, when the U.S. officially came off of the gold standard, our economy, our world's economy, is based on credit. That means that the assets of the world system are debt. And the consequences of that are that everything gets more expensive, that we have inflation. And that with inflation, we actually end up having to run harder and faster just to keep up. It's not just a matter of keeping up with the Joneses. It's now a matter of keeping up with yourself. And I'm sure we've all had the experience where all of a sudden something, it's, we don't, get by very much now without a cell phone or the internet. But a few years ago, we didn't need that. So we have new pieces of of equipment, new forms of communication, new utilities, new expenses. All of these things cost money, which means the cost of our basic lifestyle goes up. On top of that, we have inflation. Inflation is caused by everything becoming more expensive as businesses and governments deal with the cost of the interest on this debt. Throughout all of human history, this has always ended in some sort of economic collapse. Now, when I say that, please hear my words that we triumph by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The Bible tells us that all of this system requires us to have great wisdom. Well, it's not going to work if we are trying to apply wisdom for today on yesterday's knowledge. The reason that we are filming this episode in front of what we call the museum in the church house is to give a representation of the fact that how we use these tools changes and evolves. And to be clear that yes, we are in a battle and we are going to wage war. I'm actually wearing my my prayer jacket, I call it. And I'm wearing it because I have to be reminded, we all have to be reminded, that the word of God is without beginning without end and it's there for our blessing right here right now. Eternity includes now. And how we do that is we have relationship with Jesus and with each other. We get new knowledge and we can bring the Holy Spirit into our conversations in order to get wisdom in order to handle these situations. If we wanna look at one passage or a couple passages of scriptures It's like right now, we're living in the time between Joseph and Moses. At the end of the famine, Joseph gave the Israelites a plot of land in Egypt and gave them some grain and said, go forward and be fruitful and multiply and they built houses and they were very successful. So what happened 400 and some odd years later, when the people were enslaved. If they actually profited, how did they become enslaved? Well, that happened through economic policies. A fiat economy, which is what we have now. At the time, the, the medium of exchange was not plastic and digital currencies or paper currency that we have now, but there was other representations of something of value. And so when we believe that something represents value, we use that as a basis of making decisions. So if the period of time between Joseph and Moses, when if value was determined on wooden chips, a wooden chip had value. Today we have paper or plastic and we log on to our computer and we believe that that has some kind of value because we trust the system. We trust that if we go to the bank we're going to be able to pull money out or not. This is extremely important because we have to use that knowledge to ask different questions. But how do we ask different questions is we know what the Bible says. We know what God has called us to because we can tap into the desires that he gives each of us individually and we can seek him first and his word says that all of these things will be added unto us. So we know what the answer is through the desires for freedom. We know what the Bible says concerning the future. We also know that that means now, so gathering together. The value, recognizing what we value. Do we value the Word of God? Do we value our relationships? Do we value our finances, our job? Do we value ourselves? and our ability to make decisions and to break through those mindsets of intimidation and all of the beliefs that we have over a lifetime come to rely on for navigating the world of finances. So the bank's system, the world system, is credit-based. That means to a bank, an asset is a loan, and a liability is the savings accounts and the, the investments that we have on deposit. It's the exact opposite of what we have been taught. So if we are going to learn what to uh, subtract in order to increase our financial well-being or what to add in order to subtract debt, we have to start looking at it from a different perspective. So what do we have that we can lend? And do we have value? Do we apply value to that? So we have time we have talent, and we have finances. And these are important because they are all valuable. It's not just that we have a house, or we have a, a credit card, that is something that is alone. We can learn how to leverage, and I'm going to use my big disclaimer there because I have been, had people say, well aren't you just teaching people how to get into debt? And it's like, no. We're redefining debt. We're seeing a new vision. We're helping to understand how we can make debt our slave instead of being a slave to it. So that you can be bold and you can rise up instead of folding when faced with making credit decisions and ultimately to live Above our means, through the blood of Jesus, instead of below our means. And don't take that to mean that we're going to overspend because we're going to be wise. And so all of this stuff means that you seek him and you gather the information and stuff starts to just think about it a little bit differently. So what do we have that we can lend? We have, er, we have credit. And there's value in credit. There's extreme value in credit. It is a very powerful tool. We have assets. But what do you believe is an asset? Is it just the money in the bank? Is it your house? Well, if it's your house, you have to go to work to pay for your house. Is it your car? Is it your furniture? Is it your relationship? Is it your your education? Is it your experience? There's great value in experience. Well, let me tell you about a story, and maybe you've seen this. You can certainly uh, find it online, but we'll make it available on faithforfinances.com, about a guy who did an experiment, and he started with a red paperclip. And the red paperclip, he traded it to buy a house. took him 14 trades. You go, what? How do you take a paperclip? Well, do we apply any value to it? Where did he start? And I, off the top of my head, don't recall where he started. But let's say you traded a paperclip for a pen, and then another kind of a pen. What is the value that we place on our ideas? And on our connections and our ability to ask questions and to be connected to other people? A paperclip became a house. Most people would agree that a house and a piece of land has got a lot more value than a paperclip but it started with an idea. There is great value in the ideas that God puts in your mind, great value in the relationships, great value in that faith. What about something like gold, silver, commodities, oil and gas, and stocks and bonds? See, what we value will help guide us in our decisions. I know a lot of people, when we get economic uncertainty, they go, well, you just got to buy gold, you got to buy gold, well fine, but you still have to find somebody to sell gold. And in the past, we have had salt was a commodity, wood chips were a commodity, produce, animals, all of these things were a commodity that they could be bought and sold, they could be lent and borrowed. We were lending through the ideas and the things that as a society, we had value on. This is why we have the money-minding 12-step method for planning and making decisions. Because gold might be the thing, but if you don't, it, gold is a commodity which means it's up there in step 12. You still need 1 to 11 even though it's a good solid resource. Who would have thought today that salt would have been a commodity? We buy it and we shake it and we put it on the floor, but in the days gone by, it was, it represented value and you could trade it for something else of value. Paper money is just an IOU, just like a credit card is just an IOU. So if you have any kind of stress logging into your bank account, you want to stop and pay attention to it because what does the value of what those numbers represent translate to in your head? If you go to the salt shaker, you probably don't think it's got too much value. Maybe your wedding ring might have value, but something else doesn't, and you know, what's gold. So it's important to, repre- to understand those kinds of things, because what you believe about finances, what you believe about credit, what you believe about debt, what you believe about plastic money or other assets or paper clip clips, what you believe about yourself, What you believe about what's possible also still comes back to what do you believe about God and God's Word. So your belief will determine your ability, uh, willingness to follow through. Why is it that some people get results and other people don't? If you could start small and then build a foundation for knowledge... Would that be valuable if you knew you could learn how to take a $10 bill, for example, and double it to make $20? And then do that again for $40? This is the money mining income generating blueprint that walks you through how do we rethink. Because if there's some amount of debt, ultimately, it's not that you're an overspender, maybe, it could be also that you're an under earner. And if you take those labels and you go, oh, well, that's it, I'm never going to make it. You can also turn that around and go, hmm, look at this. If I had an extra hundred dollars a month, then all of this starts to make sense. How do you start to, how you do anything is how you do everything. What can you do still comes back to what do you need. It comes back to developing a system. So what do you believe about these things? Can you double your money? If you can double 10 bucks to produce 20, can you double 20 to produce 40 and so on and so forth? Or do you look at something like that and you go, well, that's impossible to take $10 and turn it into 20,000. That's outrageous. Well, is it? Do people make $20,000 a month? Of course they do. If you knew you could start with $10 and turn it into $20,000 a month by tapping into some time, talent and treasures, would that impact any kind of debt? Would that impact your financial situation? I've been accused of selling something that's unrealistic. Is it unrealistic or is that your perception of that with that blueprint? It's just a blueprint to get you to think. But how you do anything is how you do everything and the small things repeated consistently produce the biggest results in the shortest amount of time. So if you can start small you can do big. If you can make a ten dollar decision, you can make a hundred dollars decision, a thousand dollar decision, a hundred thousand dollar decision, a hundred million dollar decision. But if you're going to judge it and say that's unrealistic and you just got to cut back and cut back and cut back and, and just Deal with this debt, you miss that debt is the way our society works and debt is a factor of income. We need the income and then you need the systems to manage it as we've been talking about. So maybe today let's look at um, what do we believe is, a, is an asset. We've got the Word of God, is that an asset to you? Is land an asset? Sure, but if it doesn't actually turn around and produce any income, it could also be a burden that you then have to pay for. All of these things can be stocks or stocks an asset. could be, but you've also got to have systems and knowledge in order to manage them. Clothing. Is clothing an asset? Sure, if all you've got is jeans with holes in them, Uh, shoes with holes in them and you've got an opportunity to have uh, to get in front of somebody who is maybe an investor that's going to partner with you because you've got a great idea clothing could be an asset in how you present yourself. I also know somebody that used to take clothing and sell it. So there was an income that was done using everyday stuff that we all use. Furniture, is that an asset? We discovered that you can actually rent things, rent your furniture, rent the chair that you're sitting on. Sure, maybe it's got value beyond just what you can see. Education, for sure, but is education valuable just in getting a job, or is it education valuable in sharing on a bigger scale? What about your relationships? What do you value? Paperclip. Hey, so today we believe in the finances. Most people believe that we can exchange paper, money, or a plastic card and get something in exchange for it. And we also believe that if we work, we're gonna get paid. But debt is the burden because of the rising costs and because of the system. So recognizing the system and how we value what we have means that we can start to reframe it because we are already blessed through the freedoms and the truths and the the principles and all of the stuff that God has already brought into our life. And we have examples through the parable of the talents, the parable of the minas, of producing something of value through uh, producing wealth through something that we already have, like turning a paperclip into a house, for example, or taking ten dollars and doubling it. The reason that debt is perceived as a burden is because people are still trying to look at at squeezing and cutting back and we've been taught that you just got to cut back and cut back and cut back. But if you're cutting back, you're also missing that spending money is the thing that fuels our economy, that it overflows and creates opportunities for others. If we value cash more than cash flow then we miss opportunities to start to see the future to start to build a foundation forever if we value a paycheck more than income we miss the opportunities from the value of what we already have if we value savings more than spending we miss the opportunity to bless other people if we value spending more than uh, spending and savings more than giving then that's another whole topic because God says give and it will be given unto you. How do we overflow to bless others and to bring God's love forward? So the concept of adding in order to subtract the burden of debt is this. Agree that debt is something that we all live with. And then God says, O man, no man anything but to love. And so, realize that his ways are higher than our ways, and that we lean not on our own understanding. Understand what it means to, what do we trust? Understand that God will provide for our expenses on a day-to-day basis just as much as he will provide for transportation and communication and a home, and that we don't have to rely on debt that we can actually leverage some of those other assets that He's already put into our life. But we can learn to think this way using the day to day tool of credit. God says we're to multiply blessings, so we've got to identify those. So here's the strategy start with the end in mind and realize that we win. <laughs> Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy, Jesus came to bring life abundantly. Recognize that that Satan is going to use it as a strategy against all men, rich or poor, young or old, everywhere, is going to be impacted by the financial life that we live in. And then understand what does winning actually look like for you in terms of dollars and cents. The application of that is to look at a cash flow plan, organize debts into a snowball, and there's a system for doing that, which means that you focus on payments versus interest. Start to increase tax deductions, income, tracking and managing cash flow, and become aware of your your balance and your income and your knowledge around finances, increasing credit, increase your connections, and increase your faith for finances. You can also defer certain things like splitting up payments, deferring purchases, or maybe insurance or, or some savings or some personal items. You don't need to always sacrifice, but look at how, what can you do? And then what do you decrease? Decrease late payments, decrease interest rates if you can, decrease non-deductible expenses, decrease non-deductible interest, decrease compounded payments, for loans versus the variable revolving daily interest time and decreased anything that will produce a tax liability in your future so that we can have a foundation for a solid foundation to extend beyond your lifetime. And then the other thing that you want to decrease is stuff that really provides no value or minimal value like credit insurance and I'm going to specifically leave that one as another whole topic because it is extremely expensive, and the reason that you get called all the time is because it puts a lot of money into the hands of the bank for very little benefit to yourself. There are other ways of getting that benefit that are far less expensive and way more valuable. So reducing spending, which is what most of us have been taught for dealing with debt, happens as a byproduct of being intentional and focused. So I encourage you to visit faithforfinances.com. The resources that we have been talking to are part of a bundle called God's Path to Financial Freedom, Seven Tools for Realizing a Breakthrough, and specifically the Make Debt Your Friend book Has got the strategies. It's got more detail, and if you reference the promo code for KITV, then we have this whole bundle at 50% of the already bundled program. So there are templates and more details that you can get by visiting faithforfinances.com. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity, and we thank you that you have already triumphed over all of this stuff, and that in you. We are far above all of the debt and the turmoil that comes at us from the world system. See you next week. God bless.